This is episode two of True Currency, produced through the Alternative School of Economics at Gasworks. I'm Amy Fenwick. And I'm Ruth Beale, and we're artists whose practice is all about finding ways of learning creatively and collectively. Over this series, we're meeting a network of extraordinary women who have been teaching us about feminist economics through their experiences and ideas. This is the second workshop we facilitated at IRMO, the Indo-American Refugee and Migrant Organization, with Janine, who we heard from in the last episode. We worked with AMPLA, the self-organized group of Latin American women who help each other with issues they face around schools and housing and work. And we spent time with the group to create a peer-to-peer tool around housing hurdles, like how to get your deposit back, what to do if you have damp, that kind of thing. In the next two episodes, we take a look at workers' struggles through the lens of feminist economics. The focus of this episode is migrant women and the struggles that they might face in the workplace. When Migrant Women Rise, We All Rise is inspired by the United Voices of the World Women's Project and later on we're going to meet two women who've been involved. So, back to the workshop. The workshop today is really important because all of us, including me, have got experiences um, to share. El recurso. Bueno, que esto es como para, o sea, que están haciendo esto para como para ayudar eh, a, a tener un, como una luz más abierta para así nosotros saber y siempre buscar como una solución, no siempre que nos quedemos ahí. We're doing this um, to help and sort of shine a light so that we know more and kind of find solutions instead of just being stuck in these situations. Bueno, mi nombre es Carmenza Sierra, soy de Colombia. Eh, vine a, a España y de España me vine a Londres por trabajo. Y bueno, al principio me costó muchísimo adaptarme eh, por el trabajo de madrugada, eh, por los autobuses. Y bueno, aquí estamos trabajando, luchando cada día por sobrevivir. Carmenza is originally from Colombia, but came to the UK from Spain to look for work and has been working as a cleaner, getting up at dawn, getting multiple buses, and as she put it, fighting to survive. Like Carmenza, many of the women in the group are cleaners. When we met them, we were curious to know if they were in unions, but it turned out only one of them was. They were keen to find out more, so we arranged a meeting with members of United Voices of the World, a grassroots union. It was an opportunity to make connections between the women and organisations we've been in touch with for this podcast. This is Ada Baby, the current president of Ampla. A mí me pareció pues muy muy importante 
Eh, primero, el, la experiencia que contaron ellas, una de ellas, que fue muy importante, porque lo que ella contó nos ha pasado a muchas o algo similar. Y a raíz de eso, pues, al ver que a ella le pasó esto, mmm, eso nos sirve también de experiencia a las demás, para, pues eso, no agachar la cabeza, como decimos, y también, pues, mmm, salir adelante, ¿no? A mí sí que me pareció muy importante y haberlas conocido, claro. Um, for me, it was very important the visit from the union, especially one of the experiences that was shared, because it was an experience that a lot of us have gone through, or we know people who've gone through it, and it was really helpful to hear it and to see that you don't have to just kind of take it and how we say you know, bow your head. It was also just great to meet them. We wanted to find out more about how self-organised groups and activists and grassroots organisations can make change happen. In a moment, we're going to hear from two women from United Voices of the World Union, which is a campaigning trade union supporting vulnerable groups, including migrant workers. But first, let's hear from Lucilla Granada. She's the chief executive of Flex, which is Focus on Labour Exploitation. Conveniently, she works in a building across the road from Gasworks. She came over and we talked to her about what the issues are for migrants at work and what Flex does. So we are, as an organisation, dedicated to that bit of the continuum between labour abuse and trafficking and or the more severe types of exploitation, uh, forced labour, and trying to understand what are the drivers or the systems that are actually creating risks for workers to fall into those circumstances. So we look at, I guess, some of the great areas between what people will easily identify as someone who is a victim of trafficking or somebody who is just simply facing uh, accumulated types of labor abuse. At the moment, we're actually doing research into some of these high-risk sectors where we find people experiencing different types of abuse. So the work that we're doing at the moment is in cleaning, hospitality, but the organization has also worked in other sectors like construction yeah, and, and textile industries. Our research at the moment is focusing on housekeeping within the hotel industry and cleaning. There's a lot of overlap between these two sectors, but in general terms, these are quite fragmented spaces. So women are, tend to work split shifts, actually men as well, but they are feminized sectors. So mm. what you will find are, you know, many situations where you have breach of contracts. So things like unpaid wages or people not being allowed to take their leave when they, they're entitled to it. People not being able to take sick leave, paid or unpaid. You have a lot of situations where there's discrimination as well against women, but not only by being women, also because there's a high representation of migrants in the sector as well. There's a lot of discrimination in terms of racism, but also anti-migrant views. But this is why it's also quite important to look at the intersectionality of the issues that the women are, are facing. I mean, I have a long list of types of abuse. What I would say is quite core to the problem is the workload. The workload? The workload. The experiences that the women tell is that they are working non-stop because they have very short shifts and the amount of work that they need to do in those two, three hours is, is simply not viable. And then 
when they have to work for longer hours to complete their workload, then those hours are not paid. And so in practice, they're actually paid under the minimum wage because they're not paid for all the hours that they're working. You also have unpaid hours in cases where somebody is sick and so the rest of the cleaners need to cover for that person. Obviously, that's extended workload again. I read in your report, Invisible Workforce, Mm. about women who feel like they have to find people to cover themselves when they're sick. Yeah. The anxiety about trying to find somebody who can do their job, otherwise they will lose their job if they don't go. Yes, exactly. And that speaks about the precarity of the sector, because these are women who are actually on, most of the time in cleaning at least, on part-time contracts, they're employees. So they're not, you know, casual workers, they're not agency necessarily they actually have employees' rights. Mi nombre es Jacqueline. Yo soy de Ecuador. My name is Jacqueline and I'm from Ecuador. That's Andrea Franca translating Jacqueline's interview. We talked to Jacqueline and Flor, both members of United Voices of the World, about the campaign they were involved in at Chanel, the high-end designer clothes store. Andrea is an artist working for Gasworks as an evaluator of our residency, meaning that she's been there throughout to help us reflect on what we've been doing. Back to Jacqueline. Trabajo actualmente en Chanel. Currently I work at Chanel. Tengo ahí trabajando cuatro años. I've been working there for four years. Y he sido de una de las primeras personas que han impulsado a la campaña de London Living Wage en Chanel. Uh, and I'm one of the first persons who started the London Living Wage campaign in Chanel. So it started when you were pregnant and they would try to reduce your hours. So did you complain to the company or what was the process of... Were you, at, that, at this point, were you part of the union then? Yo, cuando pisé Londres, una de las, el primer consejo muy grande que a mí me dieron uh, fue sindicalizarme. When I first stepped in London, the main advice I got, which was a very good advice, was to unionize. Yeah. Entonces, cuando ellos me despidieron, uh, bueno, a decirles también que tenía un embarazo de alto riesgo, yo tuve que quedarme en casa dos meses sin poder levantarme. Entonces ellos se enteraron. Cuando yo me sentí bien, yo fui a decir que, bueno, que el médico ya me dio de alta, porque yo estaba mala. Uh, dijeron que no que yo no volví a Chanel. Entonces, eso es cuando yo digo, cuando yo me quedé, me quitaron las horas enseguida porque yo estaba embarazada, pues prácticamente dijeron que no volvía. Entonces, ahí empieza todo esto. So, because it was a high-risk pregnancy, I had to stay at home for two months. So, they realized what was happening. And then when I returned, then they tried to cut my hours. They kind of found out that you were pregnant and that meant that perhaps you wouldn't have told them or perhaps you would have just carried on working as normal had your pregnancy not been high risk. Yes, no hubiese no. pasado nada. No hubiese pasado. And, yeah, so they wouldn't have known and then yeah. nothing sí, would have happened. Porque yo no tenía ningún problema, todo estaba bien, todo estaba fantástico. Because I didn't have any problems, everything was fine, everything was fantastic. Fui recortada las horas, uh, de siete pasé a tres. When they cut my hours from seven to three, Cuando yo estaba en la entrevista con el manager, entró uno de ellos y ellos hablaron en inglés. Yo en ese momento no... Sí, ahora entiendo un poco. He estudiado un poco y tal. Pero yo en ese momento no entendía nada. So when I was talking to the manager, 
negotiating the hours, one of the directors or partners of the company came in and they had a conversation with the manager in English. But at that point, my English wasn't very good and I couldn't really understand what they were Y cuando saying. yo, nosotros ya tuvimos la entrevista y todo esto, ella declaró que yo había renunciado a mi trabajo a las, tres, a las cuatro horas que me estaban quitando. And after we have the interview and the conversation, and then she said, I had given up those hours. Y yo, yo, mi defensa era en ese momento boca, yo no entendía lo que habían dicho. Como ella podía decirme a mí algo, ella no hablaba español. And my defense was like, how could I have said anything? And how could you have said anything to me if she, like, she didn't speak Spanish? Ajá. Uh -huh. So when I started to feel better, I went to the office to ask them to have my hours back, and they said no. There's kind of specific barriers that you can usually identify within people in manual work as well, in general, but particularly within this sector. And it's that whereas a lot of the workers are highly qualified, many of them have education after secondary school, so higher education or, or some sort of education after secondary school, they don't speak the language. They don't speak English. So that's a massive barrier to access information, to know where to find support, to understand what rights you actually have. And it creates a massive power imbalance. Unfortunately, under the hostile environment, people without secure status are afraid to, uh, you know, to be exposed to the agencies, which you know, should be there to support vulnerable people. We're trying to inform the development of secure reporting for workers. Make sure that all workers are able to expose abuse, are able to make claims, and that there won't be any repercussions uh, linked to their immigration status attached to that. And that, we hope, will actually make a safer labor landscape for everyone, mm -hmm. not just for undocumented migrants. Entonces el manager me dijo que Sí, yo sí, que ellos me devolvían mi trabajo, pero uh, tenía una condición, que yo les firmara un papel donde yo me hacía responsable de cualquier cosa que me pasaba ahí dentro. So the manager said, yes, you can have the hours back, but then you will be responsible for anything that happens to you in the job. Legal, no, 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 no es nada legal, pero ellos se cubren las espaldas de esa forma. Me dice que sí, porque como si tengo su, que subir escaleras, me llego a caer, o la juba muy pesada me llego a hacer daño. Entonces, ellos se cubrieron las espaldas de esa forma. So, yeah, it's not legal, but it's the way for them to protect themselves. So the idea is if I go up the stairs and something, I fall off carrying something heavy and something happen, then they have no responsibility over it. Entonces, yo en ese momento me sentí un poco mal porque uno estaba sin trabajo, estaba embarazada, mi, soy madre soltera, entonces yo no sabía en ese momento qué hacer. Yo le rogué al manager que, que por favor me dejara trabajar. Incluso pensé en ese momento firmarle. I needed that job. I didn't have any work. I was pregnant. I was a single mother. So at that moment, I just just wanted to go back to work, and I, I really thought about signing. Sí. Entonces paper. él me dijo que volviera otro día, y yo ese momento cogí y salí. Y me fui directo al sindicato. So he told me to come back another day, and then I left, and then I went straight to the union. Sí. Y sí, yo estaba sindicalizada, pero la verdad que no había ido a ningún taller, ¿no? Estaba muy informada de las cosas, los derechos que tenemos. 
the truth is that at that point I was unionized, but I hadn't been to any workshops. I wasn't, I didn't have any knowledge about my legal rights or anything. Entonces él me supo explicar, me tranquilizó porque yo llegué llorando porque prácticamente me quedaba solo con tres horas. So he uh, calmed me down and uh, explained to me, and uh, because at that point when I arrived there I was crying because I, I was only going to have three hours. Entonces él me supo comunicar que los derechos que yo tengo aquí al estar embarazada. Y entonces él me dijo, ¿te quieres quedar con tres horas o quieres luchar por tus siete horas? Y mi lucha empezó allí. And my fight started there. You need representation. You need to, to include the voices of the people who have experienced what it means to be, uh, I don't know, like, I received a letter from the Home Office saying you need to leave the country in 25 days. I understand the, you know, instance of overwhelming power that the system or the Home Office immigration law can have over your life and how can it can tear it apart in a way that, you know, somebody who's not a migrant and hasn't experienced an immigration system will find very difficult to understand. So I think it's crucial that in the sector of social change, you know, people who experience these issues directly, people who are supporting and working constantly in contact with people at risk or facing these issues are part of the conversation and are part of the people that are involved and invited to develop solutions together. Strike action has been led by United Voices of the World, a members-led campaigning trade union of migrant and precarious workers. Vale, me uní hace un año a, al sindicato por el motivo este de que mucha carga de trabajo nos pagan muy poco dinero y pues mi experiencia ha sido muy gratificante. So I joined the union uh, one year ago because of the excessive workload and the low pay and the experience has been really great. Mi nombre es Flor Andrade y vengo de España, pero soy de Ecuador. My name is Flor Andrade. I come from Spain, but I'm from originally from Ecuador. Y trabajo de limpieza hace dos años. I've been working as a cleaner for the past two years. Trabajo en la, en la tienda principal de Chanel. I work at the main Chanel shop in London. Demasiado carga de trabajo y, y que antes nos pagaban 8.30. It's a very intense workload and we used to be paid 8.30 an hour. Y el, la compañía quiere que cada vez hagamos más, desempeñemos más cosas, hagamos más cosas y es imposible. And the company just keeps wanting us to do more and more and more and it's just impossible. Una cosa que nos hicieron entender en el sindicato es que ellos buscan esa clase de, de compañía donde paguen menos a los cleaners porque no les interesa una compañía donde pague más, entonces buscan una compañía donde sea más barato, no les importa la que sea. So what they help us understand at the union is that actually they look for cleaning companies that pay very little or like pay less to their employees because they're not interested in caring for those mm -hmm. workers. The unions play a, quite a crucial role. The problem is these are, I guess, quite difficult 
workforces to, to unionize. You will have more part-time workers, for instance, that are women, so then paying for a membership is harder. The issue that is, these jobs are so kind of easy to find, easy to lose as well. And so you'd be starting and interrupting your membership nonstop. Or when unions are specialized in, say, public sector, but you're working in in a hotel, in you know that flexibilization and, and lack of regulation of these sectors, it's harder for the workers to unionize. It's not harder for the unions. It's harder for the workers to unionize. Uno está aquí inmigrante, pues puede recibir lo que ellos ellos le quieren dar, pero es que uno hasta cuando abre los ojos y dice no 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 merezco, yo merezco más por mi trabajo, por mi esfuerzo, por porque, no sé, también estamos en un país que debería, debería ser, eh, eh, pagar un poco más. You're a migrant and you need the work and then you accept uh, to be paid whatever they think it's right. And it, it takes a while for you to realize that you deserve better. And also that we live in a country where we should be paid better. Lo que pasa es que primero tenemos que denunciar. Si no denunciamos, eh, ellos no tienen la autoridad para poder eh, ejercer. So first of all, we need to denounce them, because otherwise there's nothing the union can do. So first of all, we as workers have to bring this up. And then what happened is that we use the visible larger companies as a way to pressure the contractors. So cuando ganamos el London Living Way, di, di, nos dijo, eh, es que los de Chanel están súper enfadados. Y yo le dije, vale, pues pagarnos lo que nos corresponde. So there's, for example, someone that works with us at Chanel, and they were saying Chanel is quite annoyed at us for shaming them in public. Anunciábamos una huelga en la puerta de Chanel. Chanel dijo que no. So we said we're going to strike the front door of Chanel, and Chanel was like, no. Es que es el día a día es lo que, es que ustedes molestan a, a, con el sindicato, molestan con el sindicato, nos dicen en la oficina. Y yo le digo, no es que molestamos con el sindicato, pedimos nuestros derechos. Yo me merezco ganar 10,55 por mi trabajo que estoy haciendo. Me, me merezco que me paguen mis 28 días de vacaciones por el año trabajado. Y ellos nos dicen que no, que solo nos corresponde de 20. Está at the office there all the time, they're saying, you just annoying us with the union. And what I said to them is, we're not annoying you, we're just demanding our rights and we just want to be paid what we deserve for the work we do with the 1055 and we also now are fighting for 28 days of paid holiday which is just our rights and they just want to give us 20 and we're gonna keep fighting for what is right. He aprendido mucho a decir basta lo principal. I've learned so much. The main thing is to say enough. Okay. Y lo siguiente que soy mujer y yo puedo. And the next thing is, I'm a woman and I can. Y, y luego ya, pedir mis derechos, yo necesito, yo quiero, es mío, y, y eso. <laughs> and then, to demand my rights, I need, I deserve, it's mine. Uh -huh. Y a no tener miedo. Never to be afraid. Eh, hemos luchado por el London Living Way y lo hemos ganado. So we fought for London Living Wage and we won. So, yes, I think definitely there's a feminist approach to the work and a feminist lens to the issues at work, not only for women, but also the intention of understanding the position of women at work 
and really informing practices with acknowledging their experience. Working with organizations that are directly in contact with victims or potential victims or people at risk. It's, it's about partnering with frontline services. It's about creating a platform also, bringing decision makers to meet with the frontline services. It's about the expertise that the organizations have by working on the ground, by being there supporting people who are not living compartmented life where you are only an employee. Gracias a nosotros que impulsamos la campaña de London Living Wage, eh, subieron los salarios de todas las tiendas de Chanel. Because of our campaign on the London Living Wage, they raised the salaries of every cleaner at the Chanel shops. Porque nosotros somos la tienda principal de ellos. Entonces eso fue eh, el motivo primordial. No, no somos una tienda pequeña. Nosotros somos el edificio central donde se cuece todo allí. Entonces hemos ayudado, vamos a decir, ocho personas a que se suban los salarios de, de tal vez 400, 500 personas que trabajan en todo Londres, en la tienda de Chanel. Because our, our work and our campaign started at the main shop, that meant that work that was led by eight people affected almost 400 people. Yo pienso que nosotros las mujeres tenemos que unirnos eh, y, y hacer que esto que me ha pasado a mí, que no pasen más mujeres. Eso es lo que estamos intentando, eso es lo que vamos a intentar y eso es lo que queremos para un futuro. So, I think the important thing is like, we sh I think we should all, all women should unite and make sure that what happened to me doesn't happen to anyone else. And this is what I want and this is what I'm fighting for and this is what we see happening in the future. So we are the 8th of uh, March in London and we are on the Latina quarters. I guess <laughs> at the end of the of the march, that I think is mainly led by uh, by Latinas. It's quite striking in London how how Latinas are, are very a very stronghold of feminism. We just uh, performed "Un Violador en Tu Camino," a rapist in your path, which is an amazing song that has been going around, and I think that talks to many women all over the world. So for me, it's very important to show presence, to make sure that, that we don't take the right that we already have as women for granted, that we keep pushing for more equal rights, equal pay, equal treatment before the laws, before education. So I think it's important to be in the streets and make sure that people don't forget this is not equal right between men and women. It's not yet there and we should not uh, have uh, this uh, delusion that it is. That was Mazaika, a protester who we met at the women's strike. And we're going to return to the strike in the next episode and speak to women working in the sex industry about their fight in the workplace. Until then, take a look at our extra resources, a reading list of texts and links which expand on some of the topics talked about in this episode. You can find this at www.gasworks.org.uk. True Currency, about feminist economics. Produced by Ruth Beale and Amy Fennick from the Alternative School of Economics. With sound production by Lucia Scatsocchio from Social Broadcasts. It was commissioned by Gasworks and supported by the Paul Hamlin Foundation and Arts Council England. <laughs>